take your liberty this morning. Hallelujah. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask you to not get mad at me because I'm going to ask everyone here to do something. I'm going to ask everyone to stand to your feet. I ain't done yet. We're not done. See, they thought that was it. That's not it. Now I'm going to ask you, don't move yet, that everyone come closer to the front of the church. And when you do, find a seat and sit next to somebody you didn't come with. <laughs> All right. Don't take too long. We've got to beat the Baptist at the restaurant. All right. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm going to be in Matthew chapter 5 this morning. Verse 21, hallelujah. Matthew chapter 5, verse 21. We're going to talk about this morning unity in the body of Christ. Hopefully you found somebody you didn't come with this morning. That brother and that sister is sitting next to you. If they've been washing the blood, that is your brother and sister in the Lord. You may not know them that well. I don't know how well you know them. But they are very important to you and vital to you in your walk with the Lord. Let's see what the Word of God says in Matthew five twenty one. You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of, of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, thou shalt be in danger of the council. But whoever says, You fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. It matters to God how we treat one another. Verse 23, therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful for your word and thankful that the anointing of your spirit and your presence is in this house. You are a good God and you are here to do great things. We magnify you. Glorify your name for all that you're trying to do. We magnify you. We love you. Have your will and way. Anoint me to give the word as you have given it to me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. It is obvious from these verses of Scripture that God is serious about how the family of God treats one another. And he does not take it lightly. He said and gave a very stark warning. The way we treat your brother will put you in danger of the judgment. What is it? He said, if you go to offer your gift and you first remember your brother has all, if you even think 
your brother has ought against you. Leave your gift there. He said, don't preach another message. Don't teach another lesson. Don't sing another song until there is unity in my house. That's a hard thing to do. I'm, I don't know if any of you are, are guilty of this. I've, I've been guilty of doing this a, f- a few times in my life. I have to ask God to forgive me. I've gotten angry with people about things I thought they might do. I don't know if you've been there. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm weird. But well, if they do this, I'm going to do this. I'm playing chess in my head. about If they make this, I'm going to do this. And, this I'm, and you know what? They didn't do anything. They have yet to do anything. And I'm getting, I'm doing what the Bible says not to do. I'm getting angry at my brother without a cause. And that's just the enemy trying to poke and trying to bring division into this house. What is it about unity that scares the devil so much? What is it about unity and us dwelling together and getting together in love that scares the devil so much? That's what it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 5. He said, even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. He raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Everything we do in, God, in the kingdom of God, we do it together. I, I grew up listening to great preachers, uh, as, as most of us have on, on the television. Like, man, we get behind these personalities and these big names in church, and we get these spiritual supermen, that, you know, I, I call them, in the body of Christ. But really, for the anointing to really flow and God's work and purposes to be accomplished, we have to do it together. It's not about one person. It's not about one man. It's not just about your pastors and teachers. Everybody has to do their part. That is the way God has designed his body. That's why he called it a body. He said there are many members, but yet there is one body. We must all do this together. Ephesians 4.16 says this, From whom, talking about Jesus Christ, the whole body, all of us, Joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effect of working, by, listen, which every part does its share. This is what happens when every part does its share. It causes growth of the body. Why does churches don't grow? Because every part is not doing its share. I want you to look to next to two or three people and say, we need you. We need you. That is everybody in this house. We need you. Every part has to do its share, and only then will that cause growth of the body of Christ. We need everybody. And the enemy tries so hard to create schisms in the body. Uh, Today we're celebrating Memorial Day, those who paid the, the, the highest sacrifice for their country. But isn't it sad that they gave everything Their life, which is so precious, the best gift of God is your life. And they laid it down for a country that now is crumbling within itself. Why is it crumbling? Unity. There is no unity in the country. We're always fighting about something. We can't get along. It's not about what makes us different. It's about what we share. We argue about the flag. That is supposed to be our united banner. Every country always unites under their flag. And we can't even, people get offended when you raise the American flag. That is the one thing that unites us. When there's no unity, whatever that organism is will crumble. The enemy always tries to sow discord in the body of Christ because he's trying to make the body of Christ, the local church, 
crumble because if the church is not united, nothing can be done. I heard a minister say this. I have to give credit to them. In Genesis chapter 11, when they were building the Tower of Babel, the Bible says they were of one mind. And God saw what they were about to do, and he came down and scattered them. And this is what he said. Unity is so powerful that only God can break it up. Unity is so powerful, only it takes God to break that up. The enemy does not want a united church. He wants this sister mad at that sister. That brother offended at that brother. And sometimes, like I just said, we're getting mad at each other for no reason whatsoever. Jesus said this, as we read, before you alter your gift, go first and reconcile yourself to your brother. Do not come to me if there's division in my house and division in my body. Go to your brother. I died for them just like I died for you. What does it take? What do we have to do to hang on to this unity? It takes forgiving people. You will be offended in church. You will be hurt in church. And when you get hurt in church, it's worse than getting hurt anywhere else. Why? Because this is a place where we heard of the gospel. This is a place where we received healing. This is a place where we were washing the blood. And when we get hurt in this place, we feel like there's no safe place on earth left. That's why it hurts so bad. I don't expect to be hurt at church. But you know what I love about Jesus Christ is he's honest. He told us this. It is impossible, but offenses will come. Heads up, you're going to be offended. Somebody's going to do you wrong. Some people are going to do you wrong and do it on purpose. You know, sometimes we do it by accident. Sometimes people do it and they did it on purpose. There one preacher said, Father, forgive them. They know exactly what they're doing. Amen, right? They know what they did, right? <laughs> they, did it, they did it on purpose. But what does the Bible say? Freely you have received, freely you give. Stop trying to make people earn your forgiveness. Jesus Christ didn't make you earn it. You think you're washing the blood because of your merit, because you did anything? You think you're son and daughter of the living God because you did anything? It was the mercies of God that saved you. It was God's grace. By grace you have been saved. You didn't earn it. You didn't earn it. You were, Bible says this. He commended his love toward us. And then while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't make, wait for you to get it together. He didn't wait for you to turn your life around. If we could do that, we wouldn't need a Savior. But we were in a mess. We were lost and dying in sin. And while we were at our worst, that is when Jesus Christ died for us. So stop make, waiting for people to earn your forgiveness. You give it to them anyways. You received it freely. Freely you give it. This is one of the things that people wrestle with about forgiving people. Well, it's, they don't deserve it. It's, it was so wrong, you don't know. Nobody deserves it. Nobody deserves what we have. That's the gospel. That is the gospel. That's what the meaning of having a Savior and needing a Savior means, is you didn't deserve it. We need Him. This is why the enemy fights, fights our unity. We're, we're, we're in a day and a time where people are really trying to speak against Christians gathering in the local church, even Christians. I don't think it's necessary for us to go to a local church. I can have church online. Right? 
I can do church at home. Listen to Isaiah 65, verse 8. Thus says the Lord, the new wine is found in the cluster. It is found when we are coming together. Not a grape over there and a grape over there and a grape and everybody watching online. The new wine is in the cluster. And listen to this quote. It says, do not destroy it for a blessing is in it. Do not destroy the unity. Do not destroy the cluster for there is a blessing in it. God has a blessing in it. Listen to Psalm 133 verses 1 and 2. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Verse 2, it is like the precious oil upon the head running down the beard, the beard of Aaron running down to the edge of the garments. Right here is saying when there is unity, it is the same thing as if when the oil was applied to Aaron the priest and it was running down his, his beard. It's the same thing. What does the oil represent? The anointing of the presence of God. I found out an interesting thing a few years ago about oil. Uh, Jessica got into that, what do you call it? The essential oils. I, that's like a, a cult now or something. All these women are in essential oils. <laughs> they got tattoos. No, I'm <laughs> Essential oils. And I remember I had, I had sinuses. I was like, man, my son, it was bothering me so bad. And she had that peppermint oil. I went to go like, put it under my lips so I could just breathe it in and open up. Here's the problem. My lips were super chapped. Super chapped at the time. You know, like when the chap starts like rising up above the lip line, it, started, it was chapped. And I just stood on and said, and all of a sudden, this burning sensation that Jesus talks about when he talks about hell was all over my mouth. And I'm dying. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this thing is burning so bad. So I go to take water, and it's not coming off. And I go grab the towel, and it's not rubbing off. Why? Because oil doesn't rub off so easily. Oil penetrates. I'm going to give you a little side note. Uh, parents, that's why the Bible says to raise up a child in the way they should go when they're older, then they won't depart from it. When they are experiencing the presence of God. And the anointing of the Spirit of God touches them. They try to, when they get older and they think they know better and trying to run away, they can't get away from it because the oil doesn't rub off so easily. You can't just wipe it off. It is in there. Hallelujah. <laughs> but the oil, thank God, it doesn't just rub off. And we can't just dismiss it. But when we get together in unity, as Psalms 133 says, it's just like the anointing flowing down the beard of the priest. Here's what happens when the oil is, presence, is present in the house of God. His presence is there. And in his presence, in Psalm 1611, is fullness of joy. Psalms 23, my cup will run over. In Psalm 100, there will be singing in his presence. In Matthew 4, in his presence, we saw various sicknesses and diseases, and they were all healed. All demons were cast out. This is the thing that the enemy is trying to prevent. He's trying to prevent unity because when there is unity in the house of God, then the Spirit of God flows. And when his presence is here, there is joy, there is deliverance, there is salvation, there is life, there is healing, there is deliverance. In his presence, the enemy doesn't care about your quarrel. He's scared of this. 
He's scared of people's lives being changed. He's scared of the unity of the body of Christ because he knows that when a church is together and they're praying and they're loving each other and they're doing as the Word of God says, and they're not seeking the things of their own, but they're seeking the things of, their, of others. And when they're loving each other, the Spirit of God will move in those situations. Don't take it lightly. Don't think it's just a little grudge. That was the warning of Jesus. Don't think it's just a little thing. There is consequences to the things we do. We're living in a time when we don't think there's consequences to anything. We're so caught up in this idea of, oh, we, we can all do what we want to do. Don't, don't get angry at that person. They can do whatever. Okay, let me, let me take this little common sense 101. God gives free will. But here's the other part of the equation. There's consequences to your decisions. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. There is a reaping to the, consequ- to the decisions we make. It's not about just about deciding whatever you want to do. There's consequences to the decisions we make. And when we are holding grudges in the house of God and we're not forgiving and we're disrupting the unity, what God is seeing, you are causing these things not to happen. You're th- you're th- the enemy puts blinders on you. He gets you thinking about the offense and the hurt. And he's looking, and God is looking at you and say, but you're, you're stopping the fullness of joy. That's what God sees. He sees everything. You're stopping the deliverance that people have, that the people need. You don't know what that brother and sister came in those doors, what they need today. They may have a smile on their face, but you don't know what's going on inside their heart and their head. And what is it that they need that's being held back from them because we are keeping grudges in the house of God? God is saying, you are stopping their deliverance. It's time to make it right. Let's do a little exercise. I want everybody to close your eyes. Don't go to sleep. I know it's Sunday morning. Don't go to sleep on me. Close your eyes, everybody. I want you to look and see that person that hurts you. And some of you may see a, a whole row full of people. I don't know. I want you to say this, I forgive you. I want you to say it out loud. I forgive you. I forgive you. Now you just let it go. Go and open your eyes. Some of you are going to fall asleep. And you know what the enemy will try to do? Two weeks later, he'll try to bring it back up again. Oh, he does that to me all the time. I've let something go. He'll bring. Remember when this happened? That was already forgiven. That was already forgiven. You cannot bring up the sins of others if it's under the blood leave it there we have to forgive them and a month from now you may have to forgive them again but just recognize what it is it's not really you sometimes sometimes it is but sometimes it's the enemy trying to sow discord into the body of Christ we tell them no that's been forgiven freely I have received freely I'm given hallelujah the enemy is trying to disrupt the unity in the body of Christ because we are living, as we all know, in the moments just before the return of Jesus Christ. And the Bible promises of horrible things that we see all the time, but there's also wonderful things that goes on too. There are still people who need to be saved, and they're going to be saved. Hallelujah. There are still people that need to be saved, and they will be saved in the name of Jesus Christ. 
there is still a revival to sweep the land before Jesus returns. Why? Because God is good. And he still wants, loves them and he still wants them saved. And just before, I believe this is about to happen, just before Jesus Christ comes back, those who have been serving the Lord have not given him a second thought. They're about to come to Jesus right before he returns. He's about to snatch them out of the hand of the enemy just before his return. This is what the enemy is trying to prevent. But we're not going to let it happen in the name of Jesus Christ. We're going to see the revival and the outpouring of the Spirit. Not spilling the outpouring. You spill something by accident, you pour it on purpose. He wants to pour out of His Spirit on all flesh. We want to see that revival. I want to see lives changed. Amen? I want to see healing before my eyes. Amen? I want to see deliverance right here at these altars in Jesus' name. Amen? We want to see an outpouring of the Spirit of God again. I'm asking the musicians to come back. Hallelujah. I love the imagery that the Word gives about when they're anointing the priests, how they're pouring oil. They don't dab it. They pour it. It's a picture of an abundance of the Spirit of God. I'm glad he's not tired and he's not weary from all these prayers. Sometimes I think about crazy things like, you know, God can hear my prayers. And he can hear the prayers of a Christian in China. And he can hear the prayers of Christians in Russia and Australia. All these people, about 7 billion people on the earth, and those who know the Lord and come out to him, he takes in all, in all their prayers and it doesn't weary him. Now, when my kids call on me, daddy, daddy, oh, oh, my God, stop calling my name and changing my name. It's Mufasa now or something. I don't know. What? <laughs> changing my name. I get weary. Oh, my gosh, I can't think of all these things at one time y'all trying to get me to do. But the father can take in all these requests. And the Bible says he's not weary. He's not worried. Doesn't stress him out. He's not bothered. He doesn't say, you know, I can't meet that need. I can't do this. It doesn't intimidate him. And not only this, it's not just the prayers of those who are alive. There are prayers of the saints that go up to God that they may be gone, long gone, but God has promised them things, and their prayers are still ascending. So that means all the prayers of all the saints from the beginning of time still comes up to the Father. Can you imagine that? That's the God we serve. Can you imagine that? You're not intimidated, not worried, you're not stressed out. He doesn't need a calendar to figure it out. He doesn't need a date book. He doesn't need an app. He remembers everything. Why? Because our Father is intentional on meeting our needs. And He doesn't let any cry that comes up to Him go away. He hears every prayer. The Bible says His eyes are on the righteous and His ears are open to our prayer. Hallelujah. If you have a need in this house, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. If you have a need in this house, I'm going to ask you to come to these altars and meet that need. And what we're going to do is, as a body, if there's anyone who needs prayer for anything, as a body, we're going to, in unity, gather around that person and watch the oil flow. Why? Because the Word of God says it. It's going to happen. As I was reading in, in the book of Matthew, uh, Last night, 
Listen to what happened when Jesus went around. He said, he went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sicknesses. Did it say some? God's not intimidated by coronavirus. He's not intimidated by cancer. He's not intimidated by headaches. He's not intimidated by anything. Healing all kinds of sicknesses, all kinds of diseases among the people. Then his fame went throughout all Syria. When God moves and his presence is moving, people will talk about it. And they're going to hear about what's going on. And they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. I believe Mark says he healed them all. God did not look and say, hey, I can handle that one, but I can't handle that one. Oh, I, I can take care of that, but you're going to you're gonna have to deal with this one. Whatever their need was in his presence, it was taken care of. So if you have a need, you're intimidated by your need. God's not. He says, come to me, place your faith in me, and I'll meet that need. I can meet needs in your family. I can meet financial needs. I can meet physical needs. I can meet spiritual needs. I can meet mental needs. Whatever the thing is, if you need direction, I have wisdom. I see all things. He's not intimidated by any request that comes before him. So if you have a need in this house, come forth and the body and unity will gather around and we'll see the oil flow and we'll see the people healed and we'll see lives changed. That is what, that, that's what makes me feel so great doing what I do is seeing God move in people's lives time and time again. I get a front row seat at it. We were at a South Dallas rally a few months ago and there was an older gentleman who came in and I think he had a song and he scheduled for a, a procedure and he couldn't move couldn't really do anything. He was, he was just real stiff. And we began to we began to pray for him, and I felt the power of God hit him. All of a sudden, he was just doing this. No problem, no pain. He said, there's no pain whatsoever. Why? Because in his presence, there is healing. When the body comes together. If you have a need, come. If you have a need, come, and the body will do its job. And the Spirit of God will move. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ask the body to gather around these who are coming. This is your brother and this is your sister.